want to talk to you this morning for a few moments about two men. One, his name is Manasseh. The other, his name is Isaiah. They lived about 800, 850 years before Jesus. One was a king and one was a prophet. One was very wicked. One was, I guess, one of the greatest men to ever walk through the pages of scripture. And their lives came together. And because their lives came together and God was in it, both men will be in the kingdom of God. And I believe this is one of the greatest stories in all of scripture. It is one that we rarely look at. But it's one I believe we who live in the 21st century who are immersed in a wicked, evil culture. I'm not saying all the people out there are wicked and evil, but our culture is wicked and evil. It is dark and depraved. Do you get that? Do you get that? These are not easy times for Christians to live in. In fact, they're not easy times for anybody to live in. And this story of Manasseh and Azar is about as relevant to us as any in all the scripture. Let me give you a little bit of background. Manasseh's name meant causing to forget. I want you to remember that. Fancy being called causing to forget. I think my mother, could, my mother and father could have, could have called me causing to forget. <laughs> the reason you got the record today is because causing to forget forgot to bring it last week. I am a causing to forget sort of guy. True, Liska? I, I am terrible. Liska yesterday gives me one of these green smoothies. I don't know why she's given me these green smoothies, but I get them two, three times a day. <laughs> oh, thank you, Wally. <laughs> you don't have to tell everybody. <laughs> she gives me this green smoothie. Now I'm saying, I've got to take the green smoothie in the car to work. So I put the green smoothie in front of the door. I couldn't get out the door without picking the green smoothie up. I had a shower, came out, moved the green smoothie aside with my foot and got in the car. <laughs> I am causing to forget. So I, I kind of get this name that Manasseh got, but I think God was saying something different when he inspired his mother to call him causing to forget. He said, Manasseh became the king of the southern kingdom of Judah at 12 years of age. He was descendant, direct descendant of David. David's blood ran through Manasseh's veins. He was married to a woman. Now, I'm not going to get this right, but her name was Meshalemeth. Fancy being married to someone called Meshalemeth. And Meshalemeth meant friend. And so it seems, you know, that Manasseh was married to a good woman, a, a, a God-fearing woman. He had a son called Amon. And Amon means faithful. Now, just giving you a little bit of background of this man. He had a mother and a father. His mother's name was, and I'm into names, and I like the way the Hebrews have meanings to their names. Do you like that? How many of you know the meaning to your names? Yeah, most of us. My name is Lloyd. Do you know what Lloyd means? Gray. <laughs> Not real charismatic, is it? Lloyd Gray. How are you, Gray? That's my name, Lloyd Gray. Well, his mother's name was Hepzibah, and it means my delight is in her. His father's name, do you know who Manasseh's father was? 
very, very famous king in, Israel, in Judah. His name was Hezekiah. And Hezekiah's name means God is my strength. And if you, you study the, the story of Hezekiah, you kind of get the sense that Hezekiah's name very much suited his reign and his rule. He relied on God as his strength. Hezekiah was the son of Ahaz. So this is Manasseh's grandfather. So you're getting an idea of his line. These were good God-fearing men. Ahaz means Yahweh was held. But Ahaz, unlike his son and his own father, now this is Manasseh's grandfather, Ahaz was a wicked king. He went after the Assyrian gods. He brought the Assyrian god back to Jerusalem. He put it in the temple. He set up an astrological observatory to worship the stars. And he sacrificed his sons to Moloch. That's his grandfather. Now, I don't know what happened to Manasseh. He had a good father. He had a good mother. He came from a good home, but he went and did exactly the same as his grandfather did. He went to the Assyrians. He went to their gods. He brought them back to Jerusalem. He put the gods in the temple. He set up astrological places where he could worship the stars. He sacrificed his sons to Moloch. He did exactly the same things as his grandfather did. Incredible. Now, Manasseh lived in the time of Isaiah the prophet. By the, time Isaiah, by the time Manasseh came to the throne at 12 years of age, Isaiah was probably quite an old man. Now, I can't prove this, but Isaiah was the prophet to Judah. He had the ear of Hezekiah. It was Isaiah that Hezekiah turned to in the darkest days of Jerusalem. Go and read the story. And so I am pretty sure that Isaiah and Manasseh were well acquainted with each other and there is every chance... Every chance that Isaiah was one of the spiritual religious leaders of Israel, of Judah, who trained and taught Manasseh. Now remember his name is causing to forget. He reigned, you wouldn't believe this, but here you've got one of the very worst kings of Israel. He reigns for 55 years. He was born in 709 BC and he died in 643 BC. He was 60, maybe 65, 66 years of age by the time he reigned. But he had a long reign, the longest in all of the history of Judah. He is named and he is a fact. Manasseh is a fact. He is real. He is named in archaeological Assyrian records as a faithful vassal to the Assyrian king, kings of Ezeradan and Ezrabanapal. And his was an evil reign. You want to thank God you never lived in the time of Manasseh. He sacrificed his sons to Moloch in the valley of Hinnom. He consulted evil spirits and sorcerers and witches. He was in direct communication to demons. He murdered large numbers of God's people. He put pagan altars in the temple and he worshipped them and the actual altar he put in the temple was to a goddess called Asherah who was the goddess of fertility, the mother god, the god of immorality. And in the temple of God, he put this god, this goddess in the, whole, the most holy place, the very place where God's presence was. 
and there were prostitutes and there was immorality almost unseen in the history of Judah. And he built altars to Baal and he worshipped them and he worshipped the stars and the sun and the moon. Now Isaiah the prophet, just tell you quickly about him, his name means God is my salvation. He was born in the 8th century BC, he died in the 7th century BC, he was married, he had two sons and he lived during the reign of four kings, Isaiah, good king, follower of God, Jotham, good king, follower of God, Ahaz, very bad king, follower of demons. Hezekiah, good king, followed God. So you can see Isaiah is having an influence on the kingdom. And then Manasseh, very bad king. And rabbinic literature, and we have no reason to doubt this, says that it was Manasseh who possibly sat on the knee of Isaiah and learnt about the true God. That it was Manasseh who crowned his reign of infamy and wickedness and evil. This is how he crowned it. It was Manasseh who took Isaiah out, old man, and made him lie down on the ground and pushed him into a hollow log. And because Isaiah kept trying to point Manasseh to God, Manasseh had him sawed in half and he died. Manasseh actually executed one of the greatest prophets Judah and the world has ever seen. And his crimes and his sin and his evil cried out to God for justice. He murdered the people of God. He destroyed the prophets. He was into idol worship. He was under possession and influence of demons. And God said to Manasseh, enough is enough. And he sent Ezra Don with his Assyrian armies to Jerusalem and they put Manasseh in chains and they dragged him back to the Assyrian capital and they tossed him into prison. And if you were Manasseh, you would think, well, this is the end of my life. In those days, kings never survived when they were taken to foreign kingdoms and put in prison. Now, I don't know how the story actually goes. And I wish I knew more about it. And when we get to heaven, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to Manasseh. And I'm going to ask him exactly how it went. But Manasseh executed Isaiah. By the time Isaiah died, the entire book of Isaiah had been written. True? Well, he's, he's dead. It's been written. You get that? Manasseh's now in prison in Assyria. The book of Isaiah has been written. Tell me, do you think that Manasseh read the book of Isaiah? Do you think he did? Well, I think he knew it back to front because if you read the book of Isaiah, and we've just finished it in worship, Lizzie, the whole book is Isaiah pleading with Judah and the surrounding nations to come back to God. And central to Isaiah's message is a message to Manasseh that Manasseh, you have sinned, you are evil, you are wicked, God sees what you're doing, come back and repent. And it hardened Manasseh's heart. And I want to tell you that when God comes to you and God calls you, you have a choice to either follow him or to harden your heart. And every day that you, and I've been telling people this for 25 years, every day when God calls you, every day that you resist, 
your heart gets harder and harder and harder till God can't get through and God could not get through to Manasseh. He could not penetrate his evil, dark, hard heart and that's why he did these awful things because he'd stepped out of the presence of God. He'd hardened his heart so many times that no longer did God have an influence on him and he was able to walk down into the valley of Hinnom outside the walls of Jerusalem with his infant son in his hands. How could he do it? And walk up onto an altar and look down at his son that God had given him as a gift and with a sharp knife slit his throat and slide him down into the molten fiery stomach of the god Moloch. This man had fallen far, far from God. And God had to take him down before he could bring him up. And sometimes God's got to take us down before he can bring us up. Amen? We wander from the Lord. You might be here today. I remember when I was walking apart from the Lord. There would be times when I'd reflect on my life. So guilty. Walking in such darkness. I had no peace. But I was chasing after the pleasures of this world with an insatiable appetite. And I too was hardening my heart against God. And as I hardened my heart too, I was, as I hardened my heart, I too was wandering further and further from the Lord and his voice was becoming smaller and smaller. But there were times at night in my prison, in my self-made prison, I was chained up as tightly as Manasseh was. I was in as much misery as Manasseh was. And there'd be times in the middle of the night where I'd be lying awake and the devil would come to visit me. He would come to visit me and he does that. You know that, don't you? You do know that, don't you? He takes you into misery, he takes you into darkness, then he comes and visits you and he laughs at you, he pokes you. Oh, look what you're doing, Lloyd. Son of a pastor. Imagine if your mum and dad knew what you were up to. Or the church, Springwood, where I come from. Imagine if those people knew what you were doing. Here you are at college, and campus ministry director, and everyone thinks that you've got it all together and you and I know you've got nothing together. And I feel the guilt... And I'd feel the shame and I'd feel the darkness. And it was like I'd literally bend over in my bed and I would cry out in my misery. Do you know what that's like? Huh? In my misery. And this is Manasseh. The book of Isaiah has been written. And I like to think that Manasseh's mind wandered to the fifth. Third chapter. And if you're far from God, go to this chapter. You want to have a quick look at it? Isaiah 53, let's read it. Written before written 850 years before Jesus came to the earth. Now if you're an atheist, look at this chapter and try and work that out. You don't believe in God, you, you need to look at this chapter and have a good hard look at what it's saying. Written 800, 850 years before Jesus came to earth and was crucified. And yet this chapter is on the crucifixion of Jesus and what he would do to save mankind. You imagine, if you will, if Manasseh's in prison and these words come back to him. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful army? My servant, this is the promise of a Messiah. 
We look back at it now. Manasseh's looking forward to it. Doesn't matter whether you're looking forward to it or back to it. It's our hope of humanity. Do you get that? This is the hope of humanity. Humanity has no hope other than this. I see mankind out there, I watch, I listen to the news, I see the desperation, I see the despair, I see what's happening in Greece and so do you. I see what's happening in politics in Australia, do you see it? These men, these women leading this country, they can do nothing right. Doesn't matter whether they're from the left or the right or the centre, they've got a, ver- ver- they've got a ferocious press. And they can't move, they can't govern for fear. I see what's happening. I see the fear on the people's faces as they wonder about their jobs and their future and whether they can pay their mortgage when they look at their marriages breaking down. The fear of being caught out. Ashley Madison this week. Imagine if you're there and your name and your email's in there. And all of a sudden you're threatened with exposure to your wife or your husband, to your church, to the world. The whole world is a dark morass of darkness, of fear. We're lost. And yet here you've got this message in Isaiah 53 and it's like being in the middle of a storm with your boat sinking and you look up and you can see a captain and you can see light and you can see land and you can see salvation. Do do you hear what I'm saying? And here's Manasseh in prison. My servant, this is Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Jesus was not one of these guys who walked down the road and all the girls and all the guys and everyone said, whoa, look at him. That is a spectacular specimen of a man. I've never had that happen to me anyway, have you? But I hear it does happen. Jesus Jesus was not like that. And then it gets into it. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. This happens when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and our sins, your sins, my sins, are taken from us. Every sin, every heinous, dirty, dark, shameful sin is taken from off of us and loaded onto Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And like we do, but he'd never felt it, he bends over in pain and he falls to the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane and he begins to die. He cannot cope with the guilt and the shame. He who had never felt it, he's God himself, but he could not cope and he falls over onto the ground in his humanity and he begins to die unless the Lord God, the Father of heaven had sent an angel to strengthen him. He wouldn't have even made it to the cross. Did you know that? And Isaiah saw it 800, 850 years before it happened and I like to think that, that Manasseh in the prison cell saw it too and thought, I have hope, I have hope. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. He died alone. Jesus died alone. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows 
that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, Manasseh, you, me, all of us are like sheep. We've strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord, look at it, laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed, treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal, was put in a rich man's grave. Are you amazed that God had this planned and knew what would happen before it happened? Is this amazing? And we need to internalise this and we need to take it away from the people of Judah, we need to take it away from Manasseh and we need to bring it home to our own minds and our own hearts. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants, that's you and me who accept the Lord as our saviour. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Yes, the Lord Jesus will be. When he sees you in the kingdom, as a result of the blood he shed, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sin. Amen? Amen. 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 That's a tremendous scripture. I want to read it again. When he sees all he has accomplished, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteousness, for he will bear their sins. I will give him the honours of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. I, I look at that and I just go, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I imagine Manasseh remembering these words of Isaiah and other powerful words. And if you've never studied the book of Isaiah, go home and make a point to study it. And I imagine Manasseh falling on his knees and saying, God, I repent. And when he repented, it was no deathbed repentance. It was no in-the-trenches repentance where once you get off the deathbed and out of the trench, you go back to your own old sinful ways. It's amazing that Manasseh, who sacrificed his children to the god Moloch, 
who brought idols into the temple and put them into the most holy place itself. Who murdered the people of God in the streets of Jerusalem. Who was in contact and worshipping and serving demons. It's amazing that when God heard his prayer of repentance, God heard him. And I just want to tell you today, and this is where we're going to get into this. If you've suffered under the reign of Satan in your life, if you've got darkness and sin and you're broken today and you come here full of guilt and shame, and you pray a prayer of repentance, God will hear you and he will hear you because it was his son's blood that was shed to save you. When you pray that prayer, God will hear you and he will forgive you. And God heard Manasseh and God forgave him. And Manasseh went back. He was freed out of the prison. Incredible story. And he goes back to Jerusalem. He goes back up. God puts him back up onto his throne. God honours him. Can you believe that? God will honour you too. You can be guilty of the worst of crimes. Come to church, if people knew what you'd done, you'd be ashamed and you'd bow your head and they'd, they'd possibly put you out the door never to see you again. It doesn't matter what the church thinks of you. What matters is what God thinks of you and you are important to Him. You are made by His hands, shaped by Him, created by Him and when you come back to Him, no matter how far you've strayed from Him, I'm here to tell you this morning, He hears you and when you repent, He will forgive you and cover you in the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary that Isaiah preaches and teaches so powerfully about. Isaiah goes back, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Manasseh goes back to Judah, to Jerusalem, gets back up on the throne and he clears the temple of the idols. He puts the priests of God back in charge. He clears the god Moloch from the valley of Hinnom. He tears down all the idol worshipping places in Judah and he brings the nation back to God and he reigned This wicked king, there's only one king that perhaps was more wicked in in the entire history of Israel and Judah. Do you know who that was? Ahab. This wicked king gets put back up on the throne and serves, (coughs) serves God. Has a son called Josiah. And Josiah too serves God. Was one of the greatest God-driven kings Israel ever had. So there's hope for us, isn't there? There's hope. If God can, 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 can forgive Manasseh from a forbidden chapter. Isaiah 53 to this day is forbidden by traditional Jews to open and read. And those who do open and read it, instead of applying it to Jesus, they try to apply it to Israel, the nation. And I shake my head because it doesn't fit. And so they're forbidden to go there. And do you know why they're forbidden to go there? The same reason that our world tries to forbid us to look at the cross. Because the devil and darkness know that when human beings come in contact with the cross that they're saved... NASA was saved, and so too can you. 